0: From the creators of Relevant Magazine, this is the Relevant Podcast. There's no need to...
1: Fourth, the years 2020, you're listening to The Relevant Podcast. I'm your host, I'm Tyler Huckabee. I'm coming at you from Nashville, Tennessee. And today's episode is brought to you by the Adventist Development and Relief Agency, wars, child labor, child brides, discrimination, poverty, even acts of nature. These are just some of the things keeping 264 million children out of school worldwide. Without education, nothing changes. The Adventist Development and Relief Agency says enough is enough. Visit ADRA.org slash sign up to join ADRA's Every Child Everywhere in School campaign. ADRA, serving humanity so all may live as God intended. All right, we got a great show for you today. Uh, Chandler, unfortunately, self-quarantined, but he forgot his recording equipment, so he was unable to be here with us today, but we're in luck because our friend Clark Flippa will be our illustrious producer in his place. Hey, Clark. His recording equipment is with me. What's up, everyone? Uh, (laughs) A power move, using leveraging self-quarantine for his own professional gain. Uh, Meanwhile, up there in Loveland, Virginia, I don't know how he's doing with self-quarantine check around that it's our friend jesse Carey.
0: hello hello i am maintaining sanity at the moment it's been weird guys it's been weird but hey
1: we do have a great
0: a great i'll say this the guests that we have today really encouraged me and and gave me some perspective on this whole situation uh tell me we talked to judah smith later yeah about, you know About how, you know, not to be ruled by fear about helping people, you know, kind of in the era of social distancing and isolation. Great, encouraging interview. People are going to stick around for that. And there, I I can, I can't personally guarantee because I don't know the, I don't know the emotional disposition of everyone listening, but I can almost guarantee you will feel way better after hearing this interview.
1: Oh, that's, that's good. Can I, can I ask you guys, Jesse and Clara, can I ask y'all, what's your, uh, what's your quarantine? Fit. What's your dress? What's the what's the at home dress code for you? Now we we're all we're all guys who are used to working at home. Yeah, this yeah. is always, So this is not a. Th- this is it's disrupt. It's disruptive in a lot of ways, but obviously we're not. Uh, we're kind of old. We're vets at this. Yeah. We're old pros. Yeah. <laughs> we were built for this. What's but what is your do you, do you do you still get dressed? And is it is it more or less or about the same than you would if it was uh if we had an office situation? It, it's, it's pretty
0: much, it's basically the same. It's, it's yeah. a jeans, t-shirt, hoodie, hat. I will say this, and I'm sure you guys, um, can relate, uh, different states have, uh, you know, introduced new policies and right. one policy that went in in Virginia. Uh, just this week was that what they're calling non-essential businesses are, are asked to be close. Yeah. And among those that they, that the government has deemed non-essential are places where people get their hair cut. And mm-hmm. uh, so that means, I, you know, I'm, I'm dealing with <laughs> a little bit of a, the, the hair, I already kind of have a little bit of a of a shaggy style, but it's getting long, guys,
1: and it I is, don't know getting, when. I'm looking at you, and it's getting a little bit. It's not like long, long, like you don't you you don't look like Tarzan yet, but it's bushier than it usually it's is. It's not it's not like so Legolas.
0: Fine. It's not like Lord of the Rings <laughs> Legolas <laughs> right. status yet. But by the but who knows how long this quarantine will be, and how that's been my main challenge. So I I like to wear hats a lot anyway, just because I find them very convenient. Um, and so I've been just been sliding one of those on, so I don't really have to worry about the length of hair. I, you know, Tyler, I see yours is getting a little shaggy. Clark, you have the hat on. A Are you guys seeing this as one of the primary obstacles here that we're gonna have to deal with? As yeah, as uh, as looking you know. a little
1: long, Clark, a little longer than usual. Yeah. So here's here's my I've thought about this, Jesse, and I'm glad you brought this up. I think okay. that, and I've seen some of this on social media. This is not a, this is not a, an original thought to me. But I feel like the day is going to come for, for a lot, not, not all or, and maybe not even most, but for a lot of women in self quarantine where they're finally going to crack and they're going to be like, today's the day. I'm cutting my own bangs and they're just going to go the, the bed. That's a, it, it's something I don't understand it. I, I, it's not a guy thing, but I feel like it's something that, that is sort of a, a temptation sometimes for women when they get bored and they need to switch things up and inject a little drama into the home quarantine situation, whether it's with a family or roommates or by themselves, they're going to cut bangs for, for the fellas. Yeah. I don't know what our version of bangs is, but I'm worried that we're going to find out and I'm worried that it's not going to be pretty. I, I don't think it's gonna disaster. be pretty either.
0: I you know, I I here I have two takes. One, it's gonna be just a hodgepodge of homemade haircuts. Like I've already asked, <laughs> I've already asked my wife, I'm like, hey, can you start watching YouTube videos? Like, how hard could this be? Like maybe you could just give me a little trim up. Uh-huh. The other thing is just ordering shears off Amazon. The other prediction I have is coming out of quarantine, whether, you know, if it's a, gonna be a few more weeks of this, who knows how long? It could be a few months. I, I mm-hmm. don't know. Um, but I feel like especially dudes are going to be coming out of quarantine with one of two looks. One is okay. just like long unkempt shaggy hair. The other is shaved heads because they just <laughs> yeah. ordered yeah. shears yeah. off Amazon yeah. and yeah. they're just going to be like, "You know what? I'm going to do what I did in 6th grade. It was easy enough then, it'll be easy enough now." You know, that that's my prediction. I you know, but I also dude, I feel so you know, I know there's all there's some, you know, relief programs out there, but I do think look if you go to a hair place if you if you get your 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 hair did at at the kind of the same place and you have a relationship with the with the people that, that, that cut your hair or you know other sorts of services like that dude hit them up and buy some gift cards right now like when all this is over you're gonna need to go get a haircut anyway Help them out, man. You know, order up some gift cards, keep them afloat, because mm-hmm. that's got to be yeah. tough to be in in one True. of those types of businesses right now. Yeah, I, mean,
1: I really think it is, and there's there's obviously we all have only you know so much extra cash right now, and some of us have significantly less now than we did uh, just a few weeks ago. So we're not. We, we, you got to pick uh, the ways that you're going to spend that money and who you're going to help keep afloat. But I hope everybody is at least looking at their budget and thinking of ways that they can creatively distribute a little bit of their extra money for people who are especially hard hit right now, which does include people who cut hair. Uh, I, and I would have... I'd be happy to hear from if we have any listeners who are in the the hair salon industry about any tips that they would have for ways that we could help keep them afloat until things uh, click back to normal and, and the, the fellows start going back to get their hair cut again. Yeah, the the other thing I wanted to ask you
0: guys about is is getting out, you know, and, and yeah. observing the CDC guidelines for for social distancing, and, and do all uh-huh. doing our part here to stop the spread of this coronavirus. Uh, you but know, we
1: still have to go out occasionally. We still
0: have. Yeah, I mean, well, you essential, get some fresh air, essential. Yeah, yeah. In a lot exactly. of pl- in a lot of places in the country, you're still allowed to like go for a walk and stuff, you know. Mm-hmm. And I went to a state park on saturday thinking oh "Oh, it's just it's just hundreds of miles of open trails in the forest there it'll be no problem you know it'll be no problem taking the fam there something to do you know we're we're within the guidelines it was so stressful because (laughs) every trail like you know you got joggers coming it's like a video game yes it's like people (laughs) jogging by it's like bro Six feet! <laughs> six feet! Okay? <laughs> like, I understand your own job. I'm yeah. gonna walk. I get it, man. This trail's only so big, but Come on, let's do our part. And and your eyeball on every person right. like, does this person respect it? Does this person respect it? Yeah, I don't know who's mm-hmm. respecting who's not. And I didn't. It was usually spending time in the forest with your family on a nice afternoon is a very tranquil experience. You know, right. this it was like they they it was like a line at Disney World just dumped into the trail, and it was like, oh gosh, oh gosh, everyone just back up, just give me. I, I started. I broke off a branch from a tree. And i was just waving <laughs> it around. (laughs) And I was like, there's a poking, I was poking in the direction of people like a spear, like six feet. This stick is six feet. You know, I decided a
1: waterfall. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. Here's, here's what I decided for the, for the good of everyone. And this isn't going to be popular. You know, this this isn't going to win me any, any new fans or anything out there, but I was, I didn't get into this game for the popularity points. so, So, so sorry who, who this offends, but I decided yesterday while I was going on a run and I had to dodge a lot of other park goers, uh, that, that if you're, that if your kid, your little kid is out there, then that's just going to, then apparently kids are invincible to this thing. And I'm just not going to be able to abide by the six foot rule with them. They're, they're invincible. (laughs) They were born They're They're apparently their immune system for some reason, just, just can kick coronavirus out with no problem. And so that's the only way I've found to be able to safely social distance while I'm outside. Yeah,
0: yeah, it it, it, it is tricky. It, you know, I, I've 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 gone for walks in in the neighborhood where they have nice wide streets. It's it's far easier. You know, I don't live in like a super dense area. It's not like I live in. Mm-hmm. You know, if you, you see these videos, of people like in Italy or Paris or or even now in New York, and they're stuck in these you know smaller apartments. That's population be tough. dense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah
1: that, that that does really have to be hard. I've got family in uh, in Chicago, and even that, you know, Chicago's not. It's not the same thing as living, obviously, in Beijing or something something like that. Where it's yeah. been especially hard hit, but it is a it, it is a smaller, more population dense area than uh, where we're all at. Certainly than I'm at here in Nashville. So we're, we're still we're thinking of everyone and praying for you. all And we're trying to do our best to bring you some some uh, helpful voices some encouraging voices and certainly informative voices that will help us get through all this uh, faster and uh, flatten the curve. We are going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we're doing slices. Listening to Time. It's by Childish Gambino. At the beginning of the podcast, you heard OK. It's by Wallace. All right. Time for our weekly look back at some of our favorite stories at the intersection of faith and culture that came across our desks this week. It's time for Slices. Jesse, what did you bring this week?
0: All right. I got a two for guys. Uh, As you guys know, a lot of people are attending church online right now. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, this, this, the coronavirus crisis has, uh, you know, created a a situation where, you know, churches that may not uh, typically be used to streaming their messages online are trying to figure out ways to do that, to stay uh, connected to their parishioners. You know, not every church has like a a sweet mega church setup where they can just blast high, high quality. Mm-hmm. Sermons and people's homes. You know, there are a lot of there are a lot of preachers who are just trying to figure it out. You know, maybe they they got the iPhone propped up, they got the the MacBook with some FaceTime. You know, going they're figuring it out. Uh, but figuring it out is not without its risk. You can just ask um, a vicar in England. He's he's he's, he's <laughs> he works with the he's a vicar with a with the Church of England. His name is Reverend Stephen Beach. And uh, Reverend Beach decided to do what a lot of pastors are doing, and uh, you know, do his message online for for his followers. And you know, here's the challenge with the, 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 not just with pastors. This is what this is what everyone who's now working from home is, is concerned themselves with. Is like, okay, my coworkers, my friends, different people are going to see inside my home. How do I angle the camera on my computer to, <laughs> <Right>. to actually <laughs> right, make right, right, my yeah. home presentable? <laughs> right. How does it look like this is actually a place of work and not a bedroom with five laundry <laughs> baskets, you know, laid everywhere and a cool fort that I made for myself because I'm in quarantine and slowly losing my mind. And so, but you see this with some of these with some of these pastors who don't have like I said the mega church setup and are trying to broadcast from their home. How can they make it look like reverent and something that people would want to engage with. I mean, you're going to be sit there and stare at them for, you know, half an hour while they teach you something from the Bible. Uh, and so, you know, Reverend Beach, man, A for effort because he is <laughs> in his office, what appears to be some sort of home office. And he also has like candles lit in the background, you know, like I understand in, in part uh, in his tradition, you know, the candles are a very significant part of the the ceremonial uh aspects of the the service but he's doing it in his office i feel like if he didn't have the candles and <laughs> people would give him a little grace but no no no. he's he's like now i'm doing it with excellence and he has the camera set up and he's also he's you know he's from the church of england and he's dressed what i picture most english adult men of his age wear which is a shirt and tie and a collared shirt with a sweater on top. Like, I think think whether you're royalty or whether you're the neighborhood butcher, that's just what you wear in the evenings in the UK. (laughs) Am I, you know, like, like maybe you can get away with a soccer jersey in early in the morning while you're having a cup of coffee. But after... After midday hits, you know, you slide into the necktie, you know, even if you're working from home, the yeah, necktie, yeah, the yeah. collar and a sweater. You're you're a British old man, but, th- you know, that's that's what I assume you wear. And I assume they all have canes, even if they have no walking problems. It's just what you do if you're a British man of a certain age. At least that's my perception of it. Hopefully I'm not offending any of our English. But anyway, <laughs> so so uh, the vicar, Reverend Beach, he's leaning in closely looking at the camera when uh, the candlelight catches his sweater on fire and this wow. is why this man this is why this man is going to be one of the primary new voices who are speaking spiritual truth into my life because the poise with which he addresses this situation just gave me calm during the storm uh, why don't we play a clip
1: well welcome back to the last part of our online worship experience from St. Buda Parish Church. The last section we call waiting. And it's a great thing to pause in the presence of God and to ask the question, Lord God, what are you saying to us? And then, of course, to wait for an answer. Uh, I've just been pausing uh, between these...
0: Oh dear, I've just caught fire. Oh dear, I've just caught fire. (laughs) Like, if I'm, if I'm literally, he he is literally on fire, okay? And we're watching him teach, (laughs) and it takes him a second to notice that he is on fire. (laughs) And my reaction would be like, I'm on fire! And I'd be, you know, (laughs) jumping, somebody help me! You know, total freak out. This man, this is how poised of a spirit, this is a shepherd this right, is a shepherd right. <laughs> who you would be comfortable being a part of his flock because his reaction is simply oh dear i've caught in fire <laughs> like even that has like this bit of folksy you right. know dickens-esque whimsy like even if <laughs> you catching on fire you're able to to express with that sort of calm and poise uh, that's a that's a spiritual leader right there guys that is <laughs> that's that is that's someone the kind of person you
1: want, you want you want you want their hand at the helm of the ship because you the, if if fire doesn't move if fire doesn't get you to panic nothing well that's right. the that is the bar if, if you can that's literally the sets- gold standard of maintaining <laughs> of maintaining calm in the face of a crisis
0: being set on fire And being totally chill about it, so (laughs) don't worry. He was just fine. He he later did a report with Sky News in the UK and said that. uh, Uh, Oh, good. Yeah, he he ended up he did him surviving. But even if he didn't, (laughs) I think he'd be pretty chill. (laughs) Oh my, I'm burning to death alive. Oh dear, (laughs) cheerio. (laughs) No, he's just fine. So. So, uh, in, in anyone practice, anyone that's, uh, doing home church, just, just be careful with the candles. You know, if you're looking <laughs> yeah. at the camera, it's hard to look at the open flame right in front of your very, very flammable fuzzy sweater.
1: So and that the is new challenges, up. the new internet challenges for, for all the kids who are doing it set yourself on fire and see how calmly you can react right. to right. it <laughs> while putting it out that's that's the game that's Listen, the game it's and the and trend. do it while post your eat. videos with hashtag it's, i'm
0: on fire and, man. And, and do it <laughs> and yeah and do it while you eat tide pods
1: I <laughs> can't see, I can't see, I, this feels like a win. This feels like an absolute, yeah. this feels like an absolute great craze that we're yeah. not going to look Vital. back on with any regrets. <laughs> yeah. While eating Tide Pods, set yourself on fire. And
0: while you're preaching the gospel, preach the gospel at all the times when necessary, set yourself on fire Need a Tide Pod. Okay, I think, I think that's the, the old saying. All right, uh, slice number two. Uh, Tyler, I know you know the answer to this one, so I'm going to pose this question to you, Clark. Overall, how many, what percent, of practicing Christians self-report using their smartphone while listening to a sermon? What percent?
1: Hmm. Uh, I'm going to say,
0: I mean, I think it'd be at least kind of high, right? I mean, 45%? Fifty percent, a, a little high. Tyler, uh, uh, you know the answer to this. This comes from Barna's <laughs> State the, of I the wrote, Church study. I wrote study. the
1: answer down a while back, but
0: let me. Uh, but I'm not sure I can remember it off the dome. Well, what do you think? You're in a church and you're looking around during the sermon.
1: How many people are on mm-hmm. their phone? I think that the grand total people that I would see on their phone at your average church service would be five percent. 17%. 17%. That's 17%
0: of- report using their smartphone while they're in a sermon. Now, uh, uh about half of those say hey, they're ch- are just straight up checking emails Uh, Twitter and Mm. and text, right? I mean, that's you know scrolling Instagram. We've all been there, haven't we? Where you open up your phone to be like, yeah, I'll just uh, pull up, follow along here on my U version app, and uh, you're really just scrolling. You know, you turn the brightness down. As soon as the brightness goes down on someone's phone, they're not following along with the sermon. They're goofing around. You know, they're setting their fantasy lineup, or 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 they're or they're looking at. You know, they're they're on the gram. Uh, Another half of those. This is what they say. This is what they say. And the highest majority of this group are are millennials. Um, uh, about half of those that say they look at their phones during the sermon, they claim that they are fact checking the sermon in real time. And the highest majority of those fact checkers are millennials. Okay.
1: <laughs> I, <laughs> Sounds like you've got a few thoughts here.
0: I well, look, we're in journalism. I understand mm. the value of fact-checking. I understand the impulse to fact-check. And I, I understand that, you know, a lot of pastors, it's, it's a good exercise to fact-check them. I, I don't believe it no one's fact checking in the sermon. Like you go look at it later. No one, look, no, you know, the pastor never says something. You're like, Oh, we got to, got to double it. Even if you, you found it, you found like, if he was like, Hey, did you know that in the, <laughs> you know, I, I don't even say it. Remember like the 1040 window was the thing in missions. Like there yeah. are 17 million uh-huh. people in the 1040 window who have never heard the name Jesus Christ. And if like, no one in the sermon's like, is that right? Googling. Mm-hmm. It, and it's like, it's only 15 million. Like. Like no one's (laughs) fact-checking people who say they're those millennials that claim they're fact-checking the sermon in real time. They're not paying attention to the sermon. I Trust me, I've been one of those. Again, we're lowering the brightness and we're doing other things. And if someone looks over and be like, hey, why are you on your phone? You'd be like, fact-checking, man. Accountability, bro. Accountability. <laughs> and it's like, no, no, no. I am, I am reading a funny an article or on Reddit looking at a, a funny GIF or watching this poor vicar set himself on fire on a loop. There's right. no way anyone's fact-checking. <laughs> I, I, listen, Barna does incredible research research and i have no reason to dispute Mm -hmm. what they say but i i do dispute i do question my fellow millennials
1: who self-report fact-checking self-reporting you think you think think that they are too embarrassed presumably to admit what they're actually doing on their phones during the sermon so in an effort to appear more uh like they're paying actually better attention than they are they're just saying what that. What facts they're, are they they're... checking?
0: What facts are they checking? They put Bible <laughs> verses on the screen. Like <laughs> I have no reason to dispute like, is the Bible verse on the screen wrong? Like, who is there some big conspiracy here that you got to look these up? Everything's on the screen. What, what kind of facts? What kind of facts are is your pastor throwing out there that you have
1: to I fact don't know. check? No, no, that's where that's where you, I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I am going to i i do not know, but I'm, but I will take issue with that because we have all been in sermons where the pastor says something, gives a stat clearly made up on the spot. Like, did you know? That one hundred and fifty percent of teens today have have prayed to the devil. Have said that they will. <laughs> they will. Like they. Like it's always. There's. There's a lot of like doom and gloom about the. About the kids. What the kids are doing and society's on like a roller coaster with no brakes yeah. towards so that. That sort want, of thing is. I was raised around that and I could see. I could see if, uh, you know, I think we're all fortunate not to go to churches where the pastors are, high, uh, are, are hyper or we used to go to churches. Remember those? Those were the days yep. <laughs> or, uh, where, where pastors aren't like to use hyperbole. But I can understand somebody every now and then being something like, I don't know if that if that one checks out. So so
0: so see the pastors like everyone turn to your right. Everyone turn to your left. <laughs> Both of those people later this afternoon, according to my research, will be engaging in Ouija board games (laughs) Ouija boards (laughs) it's like all right, well better better google that Uh, Ouija board person to my right you know I could I guess I guess so I I, you know just wait till after the service because once you start once you fire up here's the thing once you fire up the phone even if it's to look up a bible verse or even if it's to you know uh, you know fact check uh, a pastor's stats you know you're not just shutting down the phone after you get the information you're suddenly on a a Twitter thread debating the best and worst movies in the MCU,
1: like that, that you uh-huh. know
0: that literally mm-hmm. happened. So maybe just put the phones down. That's
1: all. That's I think all. that's I think that's a good idea. I think the one other time I could imagine using a phone to fact check the pastor is when uh, the pastor does the all right, every head bowed, every eye closed. Now, if you just made a commitment tonight. I want you to raise your hand. Nobody's looking. Nobody's looking. So like we've all been here, right? I see. And then I, see start, going, I see. I, I see. Thank you. I see. And you're in, and in your head, you're going, I don't know, man. you just saying, <laughs> I see. <laughs> <"I'm> thinking, <laughs> I don't know. You could hold up your phone just a little bit, turn the front-facing camera on, and that would allow you to sort of... Ethan Hunt, like inspect your surroundings to see if the, to see, just to check. Not, not, you're not, you can't see faces. Their heads are down. This is not a breach of integrity. No, no. You're just looking for the hands.
0: And that's why the savvy evangelists have abandoned that. And they're like, I just need you to to conspicuously look up at me and make eye contact. And then he's just pointing, I see you over there, over there I see you, you, yes you, got you uh, <laughs> you, 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 yep, I see you Keep guessing. and it's like, how would anyone know how would anyone know, like and in and and likelihood, you're going to get counted in there, because whenever I'm in that scenario, I do the exact same thing, it's like, I got to take a little peek up and see if, if see if there's other people making eye contact, and then all of a sudden, I accidentally make eye contact, he's like, I see you and I'm like, I just got saved again, and I was trying a voucher and a fact check i'm just fact
1: checking <laughs> <laughs> now i got saved again so my slice is about something that happened uh, over the weekend well for folks in the u.s it was over the weekend uh and it concerns our friends over at the catholic church so did you guys see uh, how, how pope francis the announcement that he made in light of uh in light of the pandemic so yeah. this this was um, surprising to me. This, this was surprising, but I have kind of a I, I have a few hot, I have more than one hot take on it. We'll see okay. how well they hold up. Um, so obviously, uh, during this time when self-isolation is being encouraged everywhere, especially in Italy, where the Vatican is the uh, there's a lot of uh, things that have to be adjusted. And the church is adjusting some of its own guidelines, uh, including the sacraments. Uh, obviously people are not able to get to confession right now. They're not able to go to mass. Now, Pope Francis, uh, encouraged Catholics not to worry, assuring them that they can quote, go to God directly. He said, this is the right time, the opportune moment, an act of contrition done well, and our souls will become white like the snow. Um, uh, he went on to say, quote, but many people will today will, will tell me, Father, where can I find a priest to confess it? Because I can't leave the house and I want to make peace with the Lord. I want him to embrace me. I want the father's embrace. Uh, Pope Francis went on to say, do what the catechism says. It is very clear. If you cannot find a priest to confess to speak directly with God, your father and tell him the truth. Say, Lord, I did this, 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 forgive me and ask for a pardon for your heart. Now he's referring to this in the catechism where it says, quote, this is a little long. When it arises from a love by which God is loved above all else, contrition is called perfect. Contrition of charity, such contrition remits venial sins. It also obtains forgiveness of mortal sins if it includes the firm resolution to have recourse to sacramental confession as soon as possible. So basically what the catechism says is if you can't find a priest, if you can't get to confession... Catholic the Catholic catechism says you can go to God directly to confess your sin and then go to confession basically when you can when it's when you're, you're when you're able to um the same thing uh was offered by the Vatican for sort of what sounds like a what they called group absolution, meaning bishops can offer sort of a mass absolution for groups of people affected by the pandemic, like people who die of COVID-19 before they can uh, get absolution uh, or uh, healthcare workers who maybe can't leave the hospital who are on the front list. So that can be offered now as sort of a, a group deal instead of individually. So I understand. And I saw a lot of people doing this. Here's my take on this. I saw a lot of people doing this. Um, saying like, well, Martin Luther's vindicated 500 years later, or this is exactly what he's always, uh, what, what Protestants have been saying all this time. Martin Luther was right after all. But do you feel like maybe if it's actually in the cat, it doesn't sound like Pope Francis created this new rule out of thin air for the times. It sounds like there was something that was in the catechism that has always been in the Catholic catechism that he was pointing out and saying the church has, provisions for times like this uh and has always had these provisions and just letting people which seems like a very like normal and even kind of laudable thing to have like there's a safeguard for times like that you know what i mean yeah yeah totally and, and i guess i think i'm not a catholic, i'm not a catholic so i yeah. don't want to and if anybody if we have any catholic listeners who want to call in and correct me on this i'd be happy i received that correction
0: yeah. yeah, And that's, that's important in preference that we're all, you know, the three of us are, are, are Protestants, obviously we don't, you know, and but I think that's a matter of sort of region and tradition. I, all three of us grew up in, you know, areas and, in, in in you know, family dynamics that, you know, they attended Protestant churches, not Catholic churches. So that mm-hmm. it's not like we're not Catholic out of principle. Uh, it's, you know, I, I think I'm speaking, I can, you know, somewhat safely speak for all of us and saying that are just, experience growing up was, was Protestant. And so ideas like confession, like for me, to be quite honest, uh, confession, my main, uh, Understanding of it is in pop culture because it's in <laughs> yeah, you know yeah. they, it, like Daredevil. it's a great it's a great plot Daredevil. device. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. The confession mm-hmm. is like for it, a it offers ex-
1: expository tool.
0: That exactly precisely like it allows characters to reflect to reflect on actions and reveal things about the past to the audience in a way that's not cheesy. It's, it's sort of become a trope in some, especially in like crime movies, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, but, uh, I will say this. I do. I've always been sort of fascinated by confession and, I'm not a Catholic, so I don't know the rules, but I've actually wanted to go to confession before. Not that that I had, like, some specific sin or, or transgression that sure. I wanted to get off my chest. I just wanted to see what the experience was like. Right. You know what I mean? Because, yeah, yeah, like, for Protestants, you know, when we, when we you know, the, the Bible says, you know, confess your sins one to another, you know, like— but there's no like formal setting for it. And so as a Protestant, you know, if I'm like, well, I can confess my sins to any any of my friends or or a pastor or anyone who's like a Christian, I can confess, but there's no great time for it. If you're a Protestant, right. like there's <laughs> no time, like, Hey, you know, like just hanging out with one of your buds and be like, Hey, listen, yeah, we're having a great time. And this is, it's, it's super cool uh, hang session. Yeah. We'll play some Fortnite or whatever. But Hey, listen, I would like to confess a couple deep dark sins to you, real quick. <laughs> and you know, I, 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 this is the Protestant way. We and it's like uh, you know, or you, even yeah. like after Bible study, or even if it's a setting like that, or after church, where it's like, okay, church has ended. This is the place I should confess my sins to somebody. Who's doing that? Who's just walking up to somebody <laughs> in the lobby? Oh man, great message today. You know, I fact checked it the whole time, so it's really <laughs> those stats I can promise were only lightly embellished this week. Hey, anyway, I got some. I I got some things. I I need to get off my chest and confess to you. Uh, can we just step over there uh, by the uh, Sunday school area? You know what I mean? Like yeah. <laughs> Protestants haven't really left any margin for a confession or made it, it really made it a like made it any sort of like actual practice that I feel like people regularly do. Usually right. when there's a confession, it's either because like someone's feeling really bad about something or mm-hmm. they're about to get caught or there's some sort of like intervention or say, you know what I mean? Like yeah. it's yeah. not a regular part of spiritual practice. And, and that's kind of made me appreciate Catholicism and, and the idea of the practice. For sure. But you, you know, obviously it's cool to see them being lenient about it, but still, but the Pope still communicating, Hey, look, man, this is still an important thing just because of the coronavirus and and Mm self-isolation doesn't mean you shouldn't still do this. And so that's kind of what that, that's sort of my take on it is like, I think this is positive, but I hope it stays a part of, you know, the, the, the uh, practices of a major Christian denomination, because it seems very valuable to me.
1: And, and I think that, It shows like the the validity of it shows here and they were kind of, we talked about this a couple of weeks ago. Remember when Bethel first sent out their, uh, their recommendations to stop sending some of it because they are kind of known up there in the Northern California area for occasionally going into hospitals and laying hands on people and praying for them. Yeah. And then they released a statement saying they were going to tell, they were going to advise people to stop doing that. And a lot of people dunked on them for, because it seemed ironic that Bethel would no longer be going in to pray for sick people because of a pandemic. And in that case, they were, they were in this no win PR situation, which is sort of the same thing that the Catholic church is in now, where if they had told people, to keep going to confession, well, that's not good because that's violating self-isolation guidelines. But not doing it means admitting that Martin Luther was right. And instead, I feel like they had a really great response, which is, we've prepared for this. And this is certainly not the first pandemic that the Catholic Church has had no weather. It's one of the few institutions that can claim to have been around for pretty much all of them. So I I think they've had to, you know, they've had to deal with this before and have come up with some guidelines for it. And and I think I I wish that... uh, I won't name any names here, but I think there are some evangelical churches here in the U S that could have stood to learn a thing or two about the importance of following self-isolation guidelines on Sunday, instead of insisting people continue to, to do business as normal. Yeah.
0: Yeah, for sure. And while we're on the message of confessions, I have one.
1: I acted uh-huh. like
0: this Sunday, I was fact checking the sermon the entire time. And I was <laughs> literally just catching up on tiger King. That new bonkers Netflix show. And honestly, who can blame me?
1: So I, honestly,
0: I feel way better now that I've gotten that off my chest. So thank you guys. It's thank you. For what is my, Happy what is, serve.
1: what is my penance? I, I can't, that's not my, we're, we're already out of my depth here, but okay. well, I, I but think it's, it's, a, it's a pretty fin- cool show.
0: I think it's to finish watching Tiger King. It's a pretty uh, cool. <laughs> cause it's getting dark. It's getting dark. <laughs> On to Fortnite. Yeah.
1: yeah. <laughs> Alright, that'll do it for Slices Stay tuned when we come back Judah Smith joins us Ooh, I, yeah. You're listening to Strangers by Mountain Joy So Judah and Chelsea Smith are the founders and lead pastors of Church Home, a mega church that is innovating in the virtual church space with an app that allows users to join worship services from their phones, participate in guided prayers, and meet other Christians from around the world. They're a little ahead ahead of the curve on that one, as a matter of fact. We recently spoke with Judah about virtual church in the era of coronavirus and how Christians can love their neighbors while still practicing social distancing. Jesse, you have to talk to Judah. How did it go?
0: It was awesome, man. I always get really encouraged, uh, talking to Judah. You know, he's, and I told him this, uh, towards the end of the interview, you know, he's just someone who, uh, no matter what the circumstances are, he has such an optimistic and encouraging disposition all the time. Um, And he's also, you know, what I, the one thing I think people may not appreciate about him is how into technology and analytics he is to try to Hmm. understand impact, you know? Uh, And if you've been on the church home app, you know, it is, like you said, they are a bit of ahead of the curve there. Um, uh, You know, they not only do like online uh, church services and, and sermons and things like that, but also have like guided prayers and ways for you to meet other Christians and so I really wanted to know his perspective on how he thinks uh, when we come out on the other side of this coronavirus crisis, how it's going to impact not just culture long term, but how it's going to impact the church, you know, pro- in profound ways for a very long time. And here, here's what he had to say.
2: We are currently in a revolution. and I don't mean that to be dramatic or demonstrative or emotional. I mean that because I think. There is a lot of things that we're not being honest about in terms of our connectivity, in terms of face-to-face, in terms of relationship. Um, For instance, if I could pick on my own kind, I think preachers, communicators, public figures, leaders, we we are very ironically involved in this equation. We're very ironically involved in some of the statistics and the readings, meaning... I've got a lot of pastor friends and we're all really good at telling stories and preaching and communicating and sharing concepts and ideas and principles and ancient scripture. And yet oftentimes we are not practicing things like deep, meaningful, authentic, genuine, transparent relationship. Oftentimes pastors of churches uh, don't have a true, authentic, genuine friend within the own church that they pastor, preach to, and lead. And I think these are the kinds of things we're going to have to rethink. I think right now, as we're all in what is essentially a global quarantine, it's just causing us to ask some some, some really important questions, and uh, not the least of which is, you know, what what's the point of this life? What really matters? Um, losing loved ones. Uh, I know several people now that are my friends that have been diagnosed. They, they have the virus, and now it's like getting them treatment. What will this look like? Can this affect them long term? All of these things we're learning simultaneously. Is at the li- very least bringing us to the conclusion that the thing that matters most in the world is love and relationship. I mean, in, hands down, without question, we have to come to that conclusion and then kind of move from that baseline. Hopefully, that's a you know that that's a baseline we've always had, but sometimes it feels like it's one that's being reintroduced to us. Love, relationship. Now we build from there. Love of God, relationship with God, love with each other, relationship. You know. And, and and so I, I think I think we're in a revolution, man. I'm not trying to be dramatic. Uh, there's enough drama as there is right now because this is absolutely so intense and so unparalleled and uncharted and unheard of. But I think that's uh, the reality of where we are. The church is going to change. I certainly hope that it does, and we're only going to get better at uh, you know, in, ensuring that people are connecting on, on a real level with God and with each other.
0: I thought those were really, really interesting, really interesting insights. And I do think there's gonna be a lot more people that are going to find ways to engage with the church online following this pandemic. Um, but it was interesting uh, too, because uh, unsurprisingly, one of the top guided prayers that were in the church home app this week was about letting go of fear. Uh, The one, you know, the guided prayers app, the guided prayers uh, uh, function on this app are very cool in that, uh, you know, they're, I don't know, 10, 12 minutes long. And you, uh, you know, it's very kind of a meditative experience. Uh, Judah reads a prayer that you can kind of pray along with a little kind of teaching. It each one's about a different topic. And so it's probably not surprising that one about letting go of fear was trending this week. And I wanted to ask him, you know, straightforward, how can we deal with fear right now? Because I feel like that is one of, you know, there's such uncertainty about what the next couple of weeks are gonna look like, but also what the future is gonna look like long-term, what's gonna happen to the economy, what's gonna happen to people's health. And so, uh, so I wanted to ask him really flatly, What's as a te- as a Bible teacher, what's his thoughts on fear?
2: The reality is we're, we're fear's gonna touch us all. I mean, that's, that's the reality. And I think this idea that somehow, if you have enough faith, you won't, fear won't touch you. Um, I I don't think in any way, shape or form that that is the teachings of Jesus. I, I do not believe that our faith, uh, is this thing that somehow faith keeps you from ever feeling the effects of fear. We live in a fallen world. We live in a, in, a, in a planet by definition that's been subject to futility. There's going to be pain. There's going to be pestilence. There's going to be disease. Uh, there's going to be mystery, things that are outside of our control. Uh, good things are going to happen to really bad people. And uh, really, really bad things are going to happen to really, really good people. There's going to be mystery on this planet. And so as a result, we're all going to feel fear. I think the denial of fear is certainly not going to set us in in motion or on the path to to, to faith and strength and courage and love. Uh, I I do think a lot of it comes down to your definition of faith. My definition of faith is divine persuasion. I think that I have faith, uh, and I thank God for that faith. I think that faith falls in the gift category. I think that I can respond to the faith, but I think God has persuaded me, and I think we're really passionate at church home. First of all, two years ago, it was our vision. Hey, what if we could do church at home? What if we could be even more fiscally responsible? What if we could be, what if we could spend thousands and reach millions rather than spending millions to reach thousands? Like What, what, what if we could rethink? What if we didn't care uh, who got the credit? What if we didn't care about counting all the numbers and who gets to say who belongs to which church? What, what if we were just passionate about people living in community and knowing Jesus and loving like him? You know, all all those what ifs. And I think it gets back to during this time of fear, what my prayer is God persuade me again, persuade me again. And I think that's a beautiful prayer. Just like God, you know, you persuaded me before that you were real and you're big and you're strong and you're powerful. You persuaded me that I'm on my way to immortality, that I'm going to spend the afterlife with you. I'm going to be with you forever and ever without end so now persuade me again in this short stay here on earth with all these pains and problems and mysteries and diseases and viruses that we don't apparently have any vaccine for at this point god persuade me that you're with me that you love me that you accept me that i'm righteous i'm in your family and while i'm having distance with friends and community remind me that you are not far and you are near and you are with me and and i think that's that's, that's my passion right now is to get the message out. hey, God is big enough to comfort us, to persuade us, to meet us, to encounter us. And, 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 and I believe people can experience his real love and, and, and a sense of his, uh, his reality in the room, wherever you are. So those are, those are some of the things that, 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 that you know, I'm trying to share and, and, and encourage people around. And it is a wild time and, and fear is going to touch us all to an extent.
0: And guys, I don't, I don't, I don't know if if you have run into this too, but there seems to be a major tension happening right now. And Tyler, I know this is something that you and I have talked about. You know, in in the early church, uh, when pandemics and plagues would sweep through Rome, uh, you know, the way that the Roman Empire dealt with it was they they cast sick people out into the streets, and everyone else stayed home. And it was often Christians that would go and care for them. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's sort of how they developed their reputation. You've, you've I've read, I've read and talked a lot about that this week, Tyler.
1: Yes, uh, I, I have. I think it's, a, it's something that I'm very passionate about is the, the church has a voice of moral authority that says no one will be sacrificed for, this, for the greater good. Uh, the greater good is rescuing every life.
0: And, you know, you look at, you know, Jesus in the Bible going outside the city gates to hang with the lepers who at that time were cast out of the city for the, you know, for those same reasons, because they were infected with a contagious disease that no one wanted to catch. Um, right. And so there's a little bit of attention there. When we look at the Christian tradition of, you know, Christians, you know, really not being fearful in, a, in, in the face of a pandemic, but going out to serve those people who are suffering ill, who are, who are ill, knowing that they might infect themselves. But, you know, right now, there's a lot of discussions about the best way that you can love your neighbor to a certain degree. And I say neighbor in a broad sense is by practicing social distancing, by uh, kind of self-isolation to prevent the spread of this virus and not pass it to someone who's immune compromised or, or elderly or, or particularly susceptible to facing long-term um, health problems because of it. Um, so there's certainly attention there. So I wanted to ask you to directly about that. How can we, you know... We, observe the the calling of christians to help others by also kind of observing these cdc guidelines which recommend us practicing physical distance from people and i thought his answer was really profound
2: there's this concept that if you look at church history christians are famous in regards to love and how we've expressed our love obviously not perfectly not flawlessly there's been a lot of uh uh, uh, really difficult historical moments in church history where the church actually has used the name of Jesus to control, manipulate, marginalize, etc. But there's much history that records for us, I think, for our, our admonition that where there is pain, where there's problem, we move towards it. We move towards it. And I think there is quarantines going on. For instance, I'm um, currently in Los Angeles and the governor has spoken again, as have many of the local mayors. Hey, listen, we're asking you to stay inside I- unless it is absolutely categorically essential that you go somewhere such as the hospital or food or water. And so we're, we're effectively on, you know, the largest, one of the largest states in the United States of America is now we are all asked to stay in our homes. Right. So it's, it's, wild. It's this moment of going like, Whoa, how does this work? Um there uh, you know, we have we have ministries and outreaches within our church to people that don't have homes, people that don't have food. How do we how do we minister? How do we get those people those resources? And I think that's something that if anyone has the exact answer for, they're not being incredibly honest and truthful. I think it's something we're going to have to navigate. I feel like the world's changing by the hour, the world's changing by the minute, um, the state of things are changing. I think it's important for us to honor those that we have put in decision-making roles for our cities, our states, and our countries, uh, while at the same time making every effort we can, led by the love of Jesus and the grace of God, to add value to people. So how are we going to do that? What are innovative ways that we can do that? How can we spread love? Uh, I'll just be honest. I've had more interaction with my neighbors uh, over the last few days, just quote-unquote over the fence how are you? Are you good? We love you. How can we, um, you know, I don't, I, again, forgive me for what I'm about to say, but you know, uh, asking our friends, our neighbors, literally my next door neighbor and our, our homes are very close to each other. So it's like, Hey, are you good on toilet paper? Are you good on water? Um, I was outside yesterday, my neighbor across the way, I didn't even know that they knew Jesus and they were like, we love the broadcast today. Our church's doors are closed. Thank you for being open. And her name's Ashley. And I was like, Whoa, Miss Ashley, thank you so much. I had no idea that you knew I was a pastor, that you knew I was a preacher. Thank you for watching. So, you know, I think, you know, I'm going to be really bold. I think Christians were really like, we're kind of known for like the big systemized like outreaches we do. And that's great. There's so much validity there. But I wonder if sometimes we underplay and overlook um, a wave, a hello and a hi to a neighbor from our front door. Are you OK? Love you. Thinking about you. I know this sounds radical, but what if instead of like, you know, all Christians everywhere in our country right now or around the world, we were like, man, I wish I could go to church or do a ministry or do evangelism, or go on a mission trip. Wait a minute. What if we found out the names of our neighbors? What if we just let them know that we're available? If they need anything, we'd love to help them and serve them. And, and while at the same time, try to uphold, uh, you know, some of the stipulations and asks of our government to not spread this disease. I, I still think there's so many innovative things we can do. They often read very small and seemingly insignificant, but I think they're very important, powerful. And obviously, if you start thinking in the terms of millions of us, Spreading love, care, and concern like this, I think we'll be shocked at the impact.
1: You know,
0: Judah, there. You know, talking about the power of a wave, the the power of a little gesture to people in that are your neighbors. You know, kind of checking on people who are who are elderly. You know, there's a lot of ways to do to do small things that make a big impact without jeopardizing people's health. Uh, you know, finally, like like I was saying earlier, one great thing about talking to Judy is a very encouraging dude, and he wants to leave people. If you know, feeling better, not worse. And, you know, I I ask him, what is his message of encouragement? And I want you to hear his thoughts, but I really like the idea of, listen, if we believe we serve a sovereign God, if we believe we are born for such a time as this, that means each one of us right now, we're meant to be born in the year 2020. We're meant to be on earth when the earth is facing humanity is facing a situation like this not because um you know god wants to punish us but because he wants us to be his voice in his hands and feet while people are suffering uh here's how judah explained it
2: we gotta believe that there is a God who designed us and knew that we would live in 2020. There's a reason I wasn't born in 1920. There's a reason I was, I, I, I wasn't, you know, I wasn't around for the great depression. Are we going into a great depression? I certainly hope not, but if the economy struggles, I have to believe that my designer and creator, he appointed me. He handpicked me. He chose me. He called me. He gifted me. He's going to strengthen me and give me what I need. He's already giving me me What I need to live in 2020 and to go through this pandemic, we're going to go through it. We're going to go through it. We have to go through it. We're going to go through it. And so I'm telling myself every day, I'll probably talk about it later on Instagram live. I'm telling myself every day I'm appointed. I was made for this time. This is our time. This is our moment. The planet's never going to be the same. The world's never going to be the same. But we believe that our constitute that God has given us an inward constitution to endure through these days, even in the face of the brevity and fragility of life. I think we can do it. I really do.
0: Definitely a really encouraging message. And people, if they don't, if they're, if they want to, obviously support your local church. Watch them online. You know, continue to tithe and and support your, your local church community. Fact check away on your phone. <laughs> but hey, if you're, if you're looking for any any encouragement or an additional community, check out Church Home. It's a really cool app and uh, they got a lot of cool stuff. So I appreciate Judah coming on.
1: That was Judah Smith. Up next, another round of quarantine recommendations. This week, we're doing Nostalgia Pits. into On the Floor by Perfume Genius. Alright, Jesse, so you and I have been trying to help people through self isolation season by recommend but giving them some of our favorite uh Netflix and streaming options available they can they That's can right. go back to and and uh obviously everybody's got their own uh, things are probably already, hopefully you're already binging on, but if you're looking for something new, uh, we're trying to help you out a little bit here. So, uh, Jesse, why don't you tell them this, this is what we're doing. You, this was your idea, Jesse. Yeah. Nostalgia. You wanted to go, you wanted to go back to the treasure box, the old toy chest and pull That's out right. some good, uh, pull out some good coin nation. So what'd you come up with?
0: Okay. So I'm a big fan of the ringers series. I don't know if you guys listen to ringer podcast with Bill Simmons and Shay Serrano and those guys, they're all brilliant. I, I love their podcast network. Um, they have a show called the rewatchables, which is a lot of fun. And and they, and they rewatch and and kind of break down movies that, Mm -hmm. you know, the, the, the construct of the show is, you know, back in the cable era, these were, these were things that if you were flipping through the channels, Right. When people still channel surfed and happened to be just on randomly one afternoon on cable, you could jump into these movies at any point and really, for even if you only watch them for 20 minutes and be like, oh, that was great. That was so rewatchable, you know? So, two of mine are. You know, I, in, 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 what I think are the Mount Rushmore of rewatchable films in that yeah. if you, t- if you turned on the television and one of these films was on at any point, you're going to sit down and you probably finish it out. Okay. Uh, the other one I, I picked for another reason. Uh, all three are on Netflix. So you don't have to just go surfing cable channels to find them. <laughs> uh, the first, the first is Shawshank Redemption, which Shawshank Redemption, I'm pretty sure was on television uh for you know at, like on some channel at some point 99 percent of the time from my ages of like 16 to 28 i could turn on tv at almost any time and just jump into shawshank redemption on some channel when's the last time you guys have watched shawshank
1: it has it's been, been a while. while, man. Been a while. It has been a while. It may, it may have been like, yeah, out of college, maybe. Yeah, probably same. Yeah, I, I had my big, I had my Shaoxing phase in college. It's a great, it's, 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 it's great. one of the yeah, best, it's but, but if you're
0: Okay, so if you're in college and and, and one of the guys on the or, or or people on the in the dorm are watching it, and they're like halfway through, and you pop in, you're probably finishing out the movie. I'm sitting down right? for sure. sitting down for watching sure. it. It is absolutely super rewatchable. It's 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 I think critically was an underrated movie when it came out, but it has aged very well. It's a redemptive story. Uh, if people don't know, it's about a a, a guy who's wrongfully sent to prison. And how he deals with this time. There's also, you know, I think a lot of people still don't realize this, a, a Stephen King adaptation, even though there's no supernatural or horror elements. It was a short story. Um, yeah, it
1: was kind of a weird Stephen King adaptation. It it, that did stand the usual by me. brand But it's one of the best. Yeah, but it's still one of the best things Stephen King's done. Yeah.
0: Yeah, and I would put Stand By Me in that category, too. Two of Stephen Absolutely. King's best adaptations, but aren't really... He's a
1: much warmer... He has a much more yeah. like sentimental view of the world than I think he gets credit for because the aesthetic yeah. is often so dark. Yeah. Uh, but he really, I think, believes in a deeply moral universe, yeah. it seems
0: like. And, and Shawshank really kind of drives that home. And it's a, it's a heartbreaking, mm-hmm. but also a really interesting movie. Okay, the second one, this is another one. You could pop in this movie at any point. You could You could jump in at any scene, and there's no way you're not Watching it, that's Ferris Bueller's day off. I mean, come on! Sure. Yeah, like, can you name a scene that you couldn't just turn it on and be like, "I'll finish out this out"? Are you guys in agreement with me? Ferris Bueller's day off, pretty rewatchable.
1: Always yeah. been been good. Last it was day. good when I was a kid. It's good now. Yeah, it's yeah. so on Netflix. And um, it was in retrospect, it was it was definitely peak Broderick. Like we oh, never had sure. a better. Yeah. We never he never uh, uh, and he's he's been busy and, and he's been in some good stuff, but I don't think he's ever been in anything as good as Ferris.
0: It, it, it's irony. It's ironic. We need to get into this now, but I feel like um, I feel like Peak Broadwick, Broadrick, and the the same era of Tom Angs. They both occupied sort of the same space, which were sort of very charismatic, witty, kind of wise guy everymen. You know, uh, uh-huh. and look, I'm not throwing shade at Matthew Broderick. I think he's done some great work later in his career. But I feel like Tom Hanks is still peaking when Broderick definitely peaked at big, <laughs> <laughs> honest, yeah. It's not like Hanks right. peaked at Big. You know what I mean? Like, people yeah, still yeah. up. Big was great. But, you know, uh, uh, You know, Hanks has still been, you know, go, clicking upward, you know, he's saving private Ryan, you know, cast away. I mean, you look at that catalog and he just did um, a beautiful day in the neighborhood. He's still he's still rocking. OK, so those are two that are very rewatchable, both on Netflix. I have another one that I watched this weekend because I have a seven year old son and he really, really wanted to see it because he saw it on Netflix and I rewatched it and I'm recommending it only well one it was fun to kind of revisit the movie is Space Jam I don't think anyone realizes how weird the plot and maybe the plot didn't seem weird when you were a kid but when you watch it now the plot is completely insane um aliens (laughs) there's an alien amusement park that is suffering for business (laughs) and so the aliens hatch a plan which is to come to earth and to to steal like sort of the souls and talent of nba players and to use them to create an incredible basketball team which their only chance of 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 stopping the abduction of michael jordan is for michael mm-hmm. jordan along with Bugs Bunny and Bill Murray to beat them in a game of basketball. That is the plot of the film, or else Michael (laughs) Jordan will be enslaved on a foreign planet playing basketball at an amusement park. That's the plot of the film. But the reason that I want to recommend this movie is basically because of how surreal it is watching it. So I remember about, it's two weeks ago now, uh, watching, I was watching the NBA. There's two great games on. Luka Doncic was playing in, uh, you know, the home game in Dallas. And Zion Williamson was was scheduled to play the late game. Now, the reason those games will be remembered forever is because, you know, as the, the Dallas game was being played, you saw people across the stadium checking their phones, including including Mark Cuban, because they were notified that uh, several players on the Utah Jazz had tested positive for, or at least at that point, one player had tested positive for the coronavirus. Right. And hmm. in real time, these people were watching TV, were were watching them get information about this virus, and they're getting information that the league is going to be shut down. So it cuts away to the late game, which, you know, guys are about to take the court and guys are sprinting back into the locker room and fans are flooding out of the stadium. a <laughs> real scene that I think will be remembered as sort of one of these very bizarre historical moments. Now in space jam, there is a scene where the aliens sneak into the basketball stadium and they become this mist, and they fly up the nostrils of certain players on the court, and those players fall ill in the middle of the game, uh, and they Appreciate. get wow, they get they get pulled off the court, and everyone starts freaking out to the point where players don't want to go into the locker room because there's afraid of some virus in there. And the NBA commissioner shuts down the NBA because of concerns about a contagious virus that has infected players. And there's this huge outri- outcry because the NBA has been canceled. Watching Space Jam and that <laughs> scene uh, and those couple scenes in light of what's happening in our world, it's just surreal. It's just surreal. And I think, I think it puts the the situation into the, an even more surreal context. Rewatching it, uh, also the other thing about Space Jam, the music is fantastic. What a great soundtrack!
1: <laughs> awesome. Oh, those are those are three great. Those are three solid. I Space Jam, I haven't seen since like my eleventh birthday. Yeah, I think. Which is not as good the, as you I'm remember, it, like, it's not the, as good. I'm sure it's not, I'm sure it's not. And that's where I wanted to start this week. I wanted to offer some some guidance for a nostalgic recommendation. I wanna start with something that you may have fond memories of from your childhood. I cannot encourage you enough to not revisit it because it has <laughs> not aged very well, but it, it is on Netflix and i popped this on thing. Oh, I've watched this since I was a little kid. I wonder how it holds up. Chitty Chitty Bang Bang does not hold up. It <laughs> is a stupid movie. It is It wastes the talent involved. Dick Van Dyke doesn't do it. It, it, it wanted to be Mary Poppins. It, it failed at that. You think you love the music, but you don't remember the music. You know why? Because nobody remembers the music because it's unmemorable. It is just boring bad songs one after the other and a magic car that does exactly one cool thing. It flies. It comes like three quarters of the way into the the movie and that's the end of it. And then and that's the only cool part that you get out of this entire movie. So do not, for your sake and for your, the sake of your children, be like, oh, I think they're going to like this. I love this when I was a kid. It, it's not worth it. They, they've changed. Instead, I would encourage you for for you and some of the older kids. Uh, I didn't realize this was on Netflix, but this it it really I hadn't seen it in quite a while. And I'm glad I rewatched it because it really is one of the great adventure movies of all time. Raiders of the Lost Ark oh, is still out there. And um, I was surprised at how uh, much this still feels like a prototype of the modern action movie of just like really uh, like a red blooded adventure movie. It's it is uh, it features. Uh, obviously Harrison Ford in, uh probably probably I would say Harrison Ford has at least three kind of defining roles, maybe two if you're just going to say this and Han Solo. But this one feels a little more Indiana Jones feels a little less. Uh, he feels a little more flappable than Han Solo is. He gets easily thrown off his game and he has to react really quick. And that's sort of the fun of Raiders of the Lost Ark because you feel like oh, yeah. Indiana Jones is yeah. always scrambling to try to catch up with what's going on. And like, he's right. definitely out of his element. Uh, and it and it works like gangbusters top to bottom. And it's hard to imagine kids, as long as the kids are old enough for it, hard to imagine this one not still playing really, really well for uh, for audiences. Another one that's definitely... That's what came out in 2007, but it was really, it was one of the first movies that I remember like watching immediately and being like, uh, that was like kind of a, I don't want to say transformative, but like, like a, holy smokes. What am I watching? Movie for me is a David Fincher's Zodiac. Did you guys ever see Zodiac? Yeah. yeah, Underrated again, again,
0: underrated at, at the time, but now I feel like considered a masterpiece,
1: right? I, I think it is. And I think it's Fincher's best movie. I think, The, it'd be easy to consider it just kind of a serial killer movie because that's because it's about the Zodiac killer, obviously. And so, obviously, if you're not into movies about, if you're not into true crime or movies about killers, then I can understand why you wouldn't want to be interested. But I would encourage you to maybe give it a shot anyway because it's really not, it's about so much more than just the Zodiac killings. And it's a movie, real, it's a, it was an early comeback role for Robert Downey Jr., Jake Gyllenhaal, and Mark Ruffalo also star in it. And it's a movie about obsession. It's a movie about these three guys, real, based on real people who just didn't know how to let this mystery go and how it consumed their entire life. And the story of the serial killer really fades into the background. And instead it becomes a movie about these people who devote their entire lives to trying to figure out who this guy was and the way it wrecks havoc on their personal lives and their mental health and their emotional well uh, And the fallout of that, it's a really, really well done movie that does feature obviously early on, some scenes of violence that if you struggle with that, and I want to be upfront about that. Those are there, but if you can power through that, then the rest of the movie, I think it's when it gets, it's when it stops focusing on the Zodiac killer himself and more on the people trying to figure out the mystery that it gets really, really interesting and really good. Uh, I strongly recommend that one. If you're, uh, if you're looking for a, uh, if, if you haven't seen it and even if you, if you have, you saw it a long time ago, uh, go back and give it another shot because yeah. it's really, really good. I think uh, for the last one, I think that I can understand that it, this one being a little controversial in some circles, but I do think it deserves a, a second shot because I think it has so much to offer. Did you guys, when you were growing up, were you, was there any controversy in your household or your, your like church community around life of Brian? Yes. The, uh,
0: I, for me, yeah. not, I mean, not really because my, dad loved Monty Python. And so he really (laughs) cares. (laughs)
1: Yeah. Yeah. I think that this one got a really negative rap in a lot of Christian circles because it's a Monty Python movie. That's a satire of the life of Jesus. And so I can understand some feelings of, of it being controversial or, or maybe in some cases sacrilegious, but I think the movie actually pretty deftly sidesteps those by, uh, by making it very clear that this is not about Jesus himself, but this is an alternate history. In which somebody different was saddled with the responsibilities of Jesus, and in doing so, ends up having some pretty clever commentary on how religion often works, especially religion in the West, in Britain, and, and uh, in America as well. I think that you can you can. If you can take that, and if you can be discerning in how you watch it, it's not only funny, but it does have, I think, some some accurate barbs about some of the ways that religion is utilized and leveraged and uh, and monetized and exploited that uh, are worth heeding for people who are, are part of the church. So, Life of Brian, if you if you like me, were not allowed to see it when you were little because of some of the content, and never got around to it. Uh, I would recommend that you may take this time to check it out. You might like it. Yeah. Yeah. Good recommendations, man. And I think that'll do it for our for this week's nostalgic picks. And uh, I think actually that'll wrap it up for all of us too, right? That's it. I think. Yeah, covered oh, a lot. Man. <laughs> we did cover Not a lot. Another one I? in the books. Yeah. Hey, many thanks to Judas Smith for taking time to talk to us and, and talk to all of you. You can obviously learn more about what he's doing at churchhome.org. If you're looking for a church right now, if you're if you're struggling to find a church community, churchhome does have a, a really great setup that was that was. Actually prepared for just a situation like this. Also, thanks to the ADRA, the Adventist Development and Relief Agency. Visit ADRA.org slash sign up to join ADRA's Every Child Everywhere in School campaign. ADRA, serving humanity so all may live as God intended. Also, make sure you check us out over Relevant Daily. It's the podcast that happens Monday through Friday. It's 10 minutes to catch you up at the intersection of faith and culture. And I look forward to seeing you over there as well. With that, we'll wrap it up. I'm Tyler Huckabee. I'm Clark Flippo. I'm Jesse Carey. Have a good, safe week, everyone. We'll see you all on Friday.
2: Relevant Podcast Network.